Hey, why don't you stand? We're going to start as we always do. We're going to read the word and we're going to stand for it. I'm excited about this. Um, This is comparatively to the way I preach. This is a pretty short scripture and I'm going to use two other ones along with it. But Psalm 100, we're going to start with it says, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness and come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. And then 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting in verse 16, Paul writes this. He says, rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. Look at your neighbor and say, that means everything. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And then one more of Paul's letters to the church, Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, With thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Father, we thank you for this word today. Lord, I I know it has the power to transform us. So we pray that we'd open up our hearts to receive it, open up our minds. Lord, transform us today by your word and we'll give you the honor and the glory. In Christ's name we pray and everyone said Amen and amen. You may be seated. I um, had a great week last week with my, it's become a good friend of mine. I, I love the guy, uh, Tom Arati from, he's from Mombasa, Kenya. And um, uh, I've been to his place a bunch of times now and he's been to my place twice and he spent almost a week with us. And, uh, you know, when, when if I've, I've been to where he's from. And it is a village. And, uh, and then to have him stand in front of the White House yeah. is, uh, is a remarkable thing. I took him to D.C. last Friday. And uh, he kept looking at me going, you guys and your freedom. This is crazy. Yeah. He said, I cannot believe we're standing this close. And uh, he goes, he doesn't live there. <laughs> I said, sure he does. Let's go knock. Um, no, no, we didn't, we didn't do that. Um, but he was just baffled by how you could get so close. And, and a lot of the countries I traveled to, there's no chance you could get that close, uh, to the presidential palace or whatever you'd like to call it. But he said, we'd be getting beat right now if we were this close. So, uh, on the way to Dulles Airport on Monday, he said, man, God really saved the best for last on this trip. He had been here a little over five weeks. And um, he, um, he had been to D.C. before, but he had never been. We walked about eight miles uh, in D.C. that day. And, and I'm of the opinion, I, I've read several articles that say people that walk fast live longer. And I think it's because they spend less time crossing the street. You just, you just get, you just less time getting hit. Um, and, and so I get really frustrated walking behind slow people. I, I, I'm the type of guy, like we're going somewhere, let's get there and let's do it. We got it. We got something to do. So let's walk, let's get it done. 
And so if you're the one pushing the cart at Walmart and I'm behind you, just turn your blinker on and get over in the slow lane. <laughs> It'll be very helpful. But uh, there were several times during our journey in D.C. that I was just like, we're, I know where we're going. I look back and be like, oh, okay, I'm going to slow up a little bit. So we get to the end of the day, and, and I was excited because we were having a local football game here at Hedgesville, and our church for probably almost 10 years has done a, a tailgate party for the teachers there. And uh, we're on our way home, and I'm like, yeah, we'll go to the football game. I'll introduce you a bunch of people. He goes, could, we, could, we, could you just take me home? Could you just, this has been a long day. So, um, so the cool thing was he got the, he got the experience DC and the Metro and all those things and the, and the Capitol and the Washington Monument and the, and the White House. And we went to the Bible Museum and he told me when we got there, after we had went through it, which is, it's a remarkable thing. Uh, if you haven't been yet, it, it's one, it's a museum to visit for sure and, uh, experience everything they have in there. And he said, um, he said, when you said you were taking me to a Bible museum, I thought, are we going to look at Bibles all day? Like, how many Bibles do they have? <laughs> and then we got there, and it's nothing that you can, you just can't describe how, how great it is. And so um, we were up on the fifth floor just meandering around, and, and uh, he said something that I'm going to talk about today. Um, and just to give you an idea of the way my mind works, when I'm having conversations with people or throughout the week, like somebody says something, I go, oh, man, that would be a good sermon. That would be a good sermon. I'm going to act like I thought that. Um, so out of that conversation at the Bible Museum, he, uh, um, some of this was developed, just the, just the thought. I looked around and I said, man, that's a good sermon. So we, we got done the Bible Museum. He came and preached here. Um, and... and um, we we blessed him that day uh, with five thousand dollars, and uh, yeah. So he's planting churches all over Kenya, and you heard his heart on Sunday morning. And he looked at me on Monday. He said, "Man, Chris, God saved the best for last." He was like, "I get to see DC, the Bible Museum. That's the biggest offering I've ever received." And um, and then Monday. Now, I don't know what your opinion about this is, but you're in West Virginia, in case you didn't understand. Um, Monday, I have a friend here who's a, who's a gun instructor and, and all those things. And so the, where he's from, you're not allowed to own the guns at all. And so we took him to a shooting range, and he got to shoot all kinds of guns. And I've got video of him going, <laughs> like, this is unbelievable. I'm like, do it again, do it again. And uh, it was just, it was a, he was like, ah, man, this was so great. I want, he's like, I want to do this more. <laughs> so um, it was a great end of his trip. Um, but what he said at the Bible Museum was, um, uh, we were up on the fifth floor walking around and, uh, and I said, uh, so what, what do you think? He was like, he was like, He's like, you know how you, um, you have a certain, you're thinking a certain way. And so he said, he said, I'm almost thinking like I didn't notice things because I wasn't looking for it. Like I didn't know what to expect. And, and he said, this is not what I was looking for. He said, when I came, when we came here, I thought it was just going to be a bunch of Bibles laying out. We were going to be like, oh, that's a nice one. That's a nice one. But he said, this was not what I was looking for. So, it, so. It's unexpected. 
It's unnoticed. Like I, like, I feel like I missed some stuff because I wasn't looking for it. I didn't know what to look for. And um, there's so much about life like that. Uh, it, it's the new car experience, right? When you go to the dealership and the, um, the car salesman has convinced you that you're buying a unique car. And, and for the you know, 17 hours you're negotiating the price there, uh, you, you seem to not be concerned that there are actually 40 cars that look exactly like the one you're getting ready to buy, only he's convinced you that this is the unique one. And then what happens is you drive it off the lot, and you're like, oh man, you're looking at your spouse, you're like, we, we, got, we, got a, we got a good deal, and I don't know if there's another one like this. I mean, we, you know, we got the good one. And you drive five minutes, and then you go, oh, there's one. Huh, my neighbor has one. And you realize that you didn't notice it because that's never what you were looking for. It's not that it wasn't there the whole time, but you just weren't looking for it. So Thanksgiving, the month of Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is oftentimes like that, right? We have a preconceived idea of what should we should be thankful for. Matter of fact, Thanksgiving often comes from a preconceived idea about how our lives should turn out. And if these things are happening, Lord, I'm so thankful. If, if this thing is happening, Lord, I'm so thankful. If, if, um, if there's enough money in the bank, Lord, I'm so thankful. If, if my relationship with my spouse is going well, Lord, I'm so thankful. If my kids are listening. For 30 seconds. Lord, I'm so thankful. <laughs> but we read that, that really that's not the basis for being thankful. It's not, Thanksgiving is less about what is happening and, it, and it's more about who. So the psalmist writes at the beginning, he, he writes in Psalm 100, he says, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth, worship the Lord with gladness, come before him with joyful songs. So verse 3 is very important. He says this. He says, there's something you need to know. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. He's saying, listen, the basis for thanksgiving is not circumstantial. It's not a circumstance to be thankful for. It's a who to be thankful for. And he said... He said, he's going to say, enter his gates with thanksgiving. So, so he's not talking about a circumstance. He's talking about when you, when you go into God's presence, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Why? Because know this, the Lord is God. He's the one that made you. You are his and you, he, we are the sheep of his pasture. He says, you are the, you are the apple of his eye. You're the, you're the focus of his affection. And so what it does is it transcends our circumstances. You notice he doesn't say, if you're having a great day, enter the gates with thanksgiving. It doesn't say, if all is well with you, enter his gates with thanksgiving. No, he says, know this, that God is in control of everything. He is your creator, and there is nothing that, that, he's, that he's incapable of doing. And he goes on in there, and, he, and he's talking about how, man, his love is unfailing. It never ends. So he says, know this. What you're thankful for is not your circumstances, but it's who's in control of everything. And be thankful that you're the center of his attention. Be thankful. 
He says, you're the sheep of his pasture. Now, I don't know about you, but shepherds usually don't wake up in the morning and go, dude, we only lost 10. That's a good night. That's a good night. That's great. No, Jesus was telling stories. Man, he would leave the 99 and go to rescue the one. Do you know how much compassion that is? It takes to leave the group and go chase down one. So the psalmist is saying, we are the center of his attention and his affection. And when you go to enter his gates, you can be thankful for what you already know. No matter what your circumstance looks like. So that changes the way we think. Amen? (laughs) Change the way we think because now... Thanksgiving is more of a precursor than an afterthought. Did you follow me there? In our culture, Thanksgiving is an afterthought. After something happens, I am therefore thankful. If, you're, if you sit down at the table with your family, maybe your extended family during Thanksgiving, go around the room, what are you thankful for? Almost without fail, everybody at the table is going to be thankful for something that's already happened. Amen? It's, I'm thankful for what has already taken place. But the psalmist is writing that we should be be thankful before anything happens. Know this, that the Lord is God. And that you're... His, that he's, he's affectionate towards you and he loves you and you're the center of his attention. All these things. He is God. He, he's your creator. He is, and then when you enter into his gates, it's with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving for what? I haven't had a chance to ask for anything. Nothing's changed. I'm still in the same scenario. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you got to remember who God is. Okay, now I'm thankful. I'm thankful that he's in control. So in our culture... Thanksgiving is typically after something has changed that we like. I've got, man, I've got the way I want my life to turn out. And when it starts edging towards that, then I'll be thankful. I don't be thankful too early. I don't, I don't be thankful before it happens that I might ruin it. But what we realize is Thanksgiving is actually a key to unlock a door. Not something to reward somebody after I've got what I wanted. Now watch how we, we, we actually... You realize we actually teach our kids countercultural to what the Bible teaches. Because the psalmist is saying that Thanksgiving is the key to unlock the gate. Enter his gates with Thanksgiving. How am I going to get in? Close. I'm going to get into his presence with Thanksgiving. That's how it's going to start. Now, let me, let me give you a picture of how typical... Um, I can say this because my kids are grown up a little more. And, and if they want something, I say, you got money? Go buy it. <laughs> You've got a car. Drive yourself. And when you're there, get me something, and you pay for it now. Man, life just this gets better and better and better. All these people talk about, man, getting old ain't easy. I'm like, what are you talking about? I got like four valets. So um, I just realized I included my wife in that. That's not, it's like, I only got three kids. Ha. So watch this. Two or three year old, your kids are two or three years old. You take them to Walmart. I remember these days. You take them to Walmart and you're looking at your spouse going, if you by accident walk down that toy aisle, I'm leaving. I'm, I'm not dealing with it. So you got the kids in the, 
in the, they're climbing all over the place, not listening. You go down and they're like, I want that. 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 And there's, you know, grabbing at the thing, grabbing at the thing. And no matter how many times you tell them, you're not getting it. You're not getting it. They're like, ah, I want that. And they're just screaming and you're slapping them and people are watching you. And, <laughs> and they wear you down. Come on, you ain't tough. I've done all, I've done this three times. None of us are tough. So they wear you down. A kid's got nothing else to do. Nowhere else to go. No other priorities. That thing is it in their life and they've got all day. And so they're like, no, you will give me that toy. And so we relinquish to shut them up. We relinquish. We give them what they want. And then we teach them this. Now say thank you. You know I'm not wrong. Now say thank you. What did we just teach them? Complain until you get what you want, and then to make it easier for the person that's got to give it to you to swallow, say thank you at the end. And that's how we deal with God. I don't like this God, 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 I don't like this God. And we think I don't like it is going to wear him down until he gets to the point where he just capitulates and he changes the will of God that no one can thwart, the Bible says, actually. So no amount of complaining we do can change the will of God. But we seem somehow to believe that if we stand in the toy aisle, toy aisle long enough and complain about we don't, what we don't have long enough, that some way he'll just give it to us and then we can turn around and say thank you and everything's fine. That's not scripture. So we raise kids with the idea that is that I can get what I want. And as long as I say thank you after the end of it, mom and dad are cool with it. Because that's what we told them. You know what I should have done? I should have taught them what the scripture said. I should have said, if you thank me for being your parent, you'd get more. It would have solved a lot of frustrating conversations. Well, I don't have what other kids got. You got a roof over your head. Do I have to remind you about the bed you're sleeping in, the food you're eating? You're three years old. You ain't done nothing. (laughs) All of you are like, we're glad we didn't grow up in that house. (laughs) And then we wonder why our faith is so circumstantial when we get older. Lord, I don't know why this is happening. I don't know why this, why is this happening? But when you fast forward into the New Testament where Paul is writing letters, fleshing this whole thing out, Paul is actually telling us, no, 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 no. All the way back in Psalm 100, he said, the way you get into God's presence, the way you enter through the first gate, and it's a, it's a, it's an image of a temple where you would go through the gate and then into the courts, and then you could be in the presence of God. So how do I get in close? I get in through thanksgiving first. Why would I be thankful when nothing's working out? I'd be thankful because I'm still the center of God's attention. I'd be thankful because he's still my creator and his love never fails and his faithfulness endures forever because he is who he is regardless of what's happening around me. And all of a sudden, Paul now comes back and he's writing letters to the early churches and he's saying, remember in every circumstance, be thankful. And then he writes to the Philippians, he says, when you have a request, which you will. We're needy people. When you have a request, which you will make sure that you put the key in the gate before you barge in. 
Make sure you put the key in the gate before you barge it. When you have a request, Philippian church, make sure with thanksgiving you present it. Yeah, but I haven't gotten what I've wanted yet. Yeah, but when you thank the father for being a good father, he's more likely. So, so what we try to do is we try the old school Walmart trick where we try to barge into the presence of God and demand, Lord, you have to do this. You have, this isn't working out. This isn't working out. And he's like, wait a second. How did you even get in the gate? The last time I checked, I was still God. And you're, you're barging in. And so what happens is we're not even looking for opportunities to be thankful because our thankfulness is coming from a circumstance not from a relationship with him. And so then when God reveals himself in a way we didn't expect, it's hard for us to be thankful because we weren't looking for it. It hit me when we were standing there in the Bible museum. Tom said, I didn't notice it because I wasn't looking for it. And I went, ah. Oh. Actually, I went, that's going to be good, man. That's going to be so good. And then I thought, God. How many times in my life have I missed being thankful because I was looking for you to do something else? How many times did I miss it? How many times was it, was it something that just went unnoticed because I was looking for something, for you to do something before I was going to be thankful? See, God is always showing up our lives in unexpected ways. And when we pigeonhole him into... I know God is good because my life is going swell. Then you're going to miss it every time. I know God is good because I'm healthy. I know God is good because I'm wealthy. I know God is good because everybody likes me. I proved it this week. 110 likes on one picture. It's so amazing. I love myself. (laughs) And as long as God is meeting our criteria, We can notice thankfulness, but as soon as God comes to us in a different way, reveals himself in a different way, we're not looking for it, so it goes unnoticed. It's unexpected. God, I didn't expect you to be like that. I didn't expect you to reveal yourself that way. I didn't expect you. If I could have a conversation with Moses, I would look at him and I would go, dude, the burning bush, did that catch you off guard? (laughs) Like, because that was... Not the way God was revealing himself to people a lot of times. It wasn't like there was just a guy walking down the street going, Hey Moses, I'm God. You might know there's some people over there in Egypt been calling on me and I need you to go down there. And it was uh, just a conversation. No, it says that Moses sees a bush burning but not being consumed. And he walks over to it and he hears a voice that says, Take your shoes off. Standing on holy ground. I have an inkling of an idea that Moses wasn't looking for that. But the benefit that we have that Moses didn't is we get to read his story. The benefit that we have that Paul didn't is we get to read Paul's story. And we get to read and we get to have the knowledge that God will show up and orchestrate things in our lives in unexpected ways. So much so to the point that we, if we're not careful, we won't even notice it happening. And so, so the, all the more important that our thanksgiving isn't circumstantial because, you know, we're really bad at noticing. And if I wait until something happens that I notice, I might not be thankful. 
But if I just wake up every morning going, God, you are God and you're for me and you're with me. And I don't know how today's going to go, but I trust you with it. And I'm thankful. Thankful. About all that. I started learning. Um, over the, it's been about the past five years. I started learning. Uh, when, when I pray with my wife in the morning. I make sure I'll say. And Lord we trust you with whatever comes today. I actually rarely pray for an outcome. Uh, I Sometimes. I think if. And this is me. This is extra biblical. This is Chris's life. Sometimes, I'll be honest, I fear that if I pray an outcome, I'm limiting him. Because I want to be thankful that God's will is being accomplished in my life, not my version of his will is accomplished in my life. So what we'll do is we'll pray in the morning, God, direct our steps, your lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, and we trust you with whatever comes. Because you may show up unexpected today. And if I'm not looking for it, I won't be thankful. And so, Lord, whatever comes today, I trust you with it. And by the way, prosper me, man. Pour it on. Give me. (laughs) Now watch. This is the problem. Um, This is the problem. Most of us are living in the tension of things not being the way we want and trying to figure out how we become thankful. I'm here to tell you that that tension will never end. I'll amen that. I don't care if you do or not. (laughs) The tension in your life between what you're expecting to happen and what is happening will never end. I bet you... um, If you talk to somebody a hundred years old, they will tell you the tension is still there. So, watch this. So so then the tension for me is how am I thankful? How can I be consistently thankful when not everything is the way I want it? Amen? How can I be thankful in my, and the husband is still the way he is? I thought I would get more of you into that one. How can I be thankful and my wife is still the way she is? That was a proper response, gentlemen. Good job. Good job. He's like, nope. Nope. How can I be thankful and my kids are still like that? Change why you're being thankful. I'm being thankful to gain access, not because something has already happened. Remember, there's a protocol to God. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So this isn't the Walmart trip. There's a protocol. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise. So what happens is, is I can be thankful even when that's the tension. I can be thankful while I'm sick. I could be thankful while I'm broke. I could be thankful while my husband is not doing what he should do. I could be thankful while my wife is not doing what she should do. I could be thankful when my kids are not obedient. I could be thankful when the car breaks down. I could be thankful 
when, when somebody slanders me, I could be thankful. Why? Because the tension between me being thankful and people sinning has nothing to do with God. It's got everything to do with me. And so nothing in my life has to line up for me to be perfect, for me perfectly in order for God to still be who he is. And so the circumstances aren't the prerequisite. The prerequisite is to make the request I have to be thankful. You know what I'm afraid we do? I'm afraid because we're not thankful, we're standing outside the gate shouting in. I don't like this. I don't like this. And God's like, I've given you the key. Why don't you walk in and ask me? So Paul in Philippians says, don't be anxious. Cut out all this anxiety because you actually have the key to get into the presence of God and make a request. That's why you find thanksgiving in Paul's writings when he's encouraging you to make a request. Because, because how do you get there? With thanksgiving. Why am I giving thanks? Because he's God. Amen. Know this. That the Lord is God. He's our creator and we're the sheep of his pasture. You're it. So Paul says, don't be anxious. Anxiety comes from not being in his presence. Because I'm distant from him and I don't know how it's going to turn out. I don't have confidence. Distant from him. But no, 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 no. Present your requests to God with thanksgiving. Hey. So here's what happens. I go, Lord, you know what? You already know what's going on. And I want to let you know I'm thankful right now. I'm thankful that you're for me with me. I'm thankful that your goodness doesn't end. I'm thankful that your love is unfair. I'm thankful, God. I'm thankful about you. And I'm thankful that you're for me. And I'm thankful you never failed me. I'm thankful. I'm thankful that you saved me. I'm thankful while I was a sinner you died. I'm thankful that you are who you are all the time. And you're not going to change. And, and I can count on you. I'm thankful. And then what Thanksgiving does, it turns into praise. Lord, you're good. You're good. You're good and you're in control and you're, you're able and you're willing and, 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 and you are all powerful and, and you're preparing for me before I even ask and, and you, God, are everything I need. And, and then Paul says, the peace of God. Do you see what just happened there? So now I've unlocked the door. With thanksgiving, I've given him my praise, and now I'm in his presence, and the guard of peace is watching over me. Can I tell you right now, peace does not come because your circumstance got better. Peace comes because you walked in the right room. Peace comes not because you're healed. Peace doesn't come because you're more wealthy. Peace doesn't come because you're because everybody's doing what you want them to do. Peace comes because you got access to the one who gives it out. And I get there by being thankful and praising him. And all of a sudden I walk into his presence and I say, Lord, I'm here. And he says, what do you need? And then we find out that we need him. Oh, the God of peace is here. 
And that peace is guarding my heart. It's guarding me. And now I'm actually inside the gate. I'm inside the court. Nobody can get to me now. And it all happened because I was thankful up front. It all happened because I was thankful up front. Because before anything happened, I went, you know what? I'm going to pay. I'm going to look for it. I'm going to look for it. I'm not going to wait. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I'm going to look for the unexpected. And you know what? You know what will result in this? People are waiting outside for our circumstances to change. They're waiting. And what trips unbelievers up, what trips people outside the church up, what trips up people with no, with no relationship with God is when we're thankful and nothing is different. They go, how can you do that? You say, you know what? God hadn't changed. I'm still thankful. My life isn't perfect. It's not, it's not the best all the time. But you know what? I'm still thankful, man. Thankful he hasn't left me. But you remember the culture that we're all raised in. They go, no, you don't have anything to be thankful for yet. No, 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 I do. It catches people off guard. It's unexpected. So if we could build a culture here through Hedgesville Church of people that are thankful before, that we use it as an access card, not a tip. We use it as a way to get in, not a way to appreciate after we've been there. Then we say, you know what? We're going to be thankful people up front. And I believe that's the greatest testimony we could give. Look, you you can't make me not thank God by changing my circumstances. This is not going to change what I think. Matter of fact, sometimes I get the picture. Why don't you stand to your feet? I saw a picture this week. You've seen the one where it's like a solid rock and a plant poking out of it. My first thought is, why don't somebody pull that thing? But I thought, it's a great picture of where some of us are. There's some of you in this room today that you came here and you feel like your life is basically just a solid rock. That you're, you're not, man, you feel like your relationship with God is just a solid rock. I want to tell you, just like that picture, there can be there can be thanksgiving that just forces its way up through the middle of it. And sometimes you gotta wake up in the morning and grit your teeth and look at your wife and you go, we're gonna be thankful today. Look at your boss and say, I'm gonna be thankful today. And just push that thanksgiving up through what seems like solid rock. And just push it and push it and push it and push it. And pretty soon you've got access to somewhere you didn't anticipate. Amen. And so this morning, I want you to push really hard. I want you to push through the pain, through the anxiety, through the anger, through the hurt, through the sickness, through the disease. I want you to push up through it. 
and ignore the circumstance in this moment and say, Lord, I'm pushing up thanksgiving to you in a way that will give me ultimate access into the peace and presence of God. And there's no dilemma or disease that can hold me back from that. Come on, lift your hands all over the building. Father, this is our cry to you that you are worth thanking right now. That, Lord, you are God. We are your creation. We're the focus of your attention and we are pushing up through the difficulties of life. We want to put the key in the gate and have access this morning, God. So no matter what it looks like, we say thank you. We say thank you that you're in control, that you're for us and with us. We say thank you, God. We make our requests known, but before that, we are going to thank and appreciate you. You're a good God. You're a great God. You're the God that gives peace. You're the God that gives and gives and gives. And we have no reason to doubt that you won't keep doing that. So, Lord, we push that thanksgiving up through the difficulty. And we say thank you this morning. Thank you. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Come on, church, could you give him thanks and praise this morning?